Hello and welcome to Helpline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're speaking with board certified rheumatologist Dr. Robert E. Goodman of the Arthritis and Rheumatology Clinic right here in Shreveport about Sogren's Syndrome. And before we get started, Dr. Goodman will give an overview of this condition and he's going to bring together dry eyes, dry mouth, and arthritis for the first 10 minutes of the simulcast. And following that, you can call us with any questions you may have about this condition using the number that will be on the bottom of your screen. That's 318-219-4569. Good morning, Dr. Goodman. How are you? Good. Glad to be here, Terry. So happy to talk to you again. So let's uh, refresh everybody from this earlier tease that we talked about. Um, what actually is this syndrome? Uh, Sjogren's syndrome is one of our one of our less uh, well understood autoimmune diseases, less well known to the public, and that's why I'd like to get the word out uh, about Sjogren's syndrome. It's an autoimmune disease that was described in the 1930s by Dr. Heinrich uh, um, Sjogren, who was at the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden. He described that people would have an autoimmune disease. Uh, or he didn't know it was an autoimmune disease at that time, but he brought together the observation of people that had arthritis, dryness of their eyes, dryness of their mouth, fatigue, and then they may have other autoimmune problems. Um, and um, we honor him by calling this uh, disease Sjogren's syndrome even to today. Okay, and do we know what causes this autoimmune disease? We don't know for specifically, Terry, but we think that uh, we all inherit certain characteristics of our immune system. Our immune system is probably the second most co complex system in the body after our brain and our central nervous system. And, um, and some of us inherit uh, the ability to respond, for example, to COVID-19 vaccines in a very robust way and others not so well. Well, some of us um, uh, inherit an ability to recognize this is a virus and I need to vanquish that virus. My immune system needs to get rid of that virus or get rid of that bacteria. And once the virus or bacteria has been defeated by our white blood cells, our white blood cells need to stop the inflammatory response. In autoimmune diseases in general, the immune system keeps on going, it keeps on responding as if the virus is still out there or the bacteria is still out there and needs to be dealt with. And as that additional immunologic response uh, continues, uh, some patients unfortunately have the immune system damaging part of their body. In the case of Sjogren's syndrome, they may damage the joints and cause an arthritis. It may damage the uh, saliva glands and cause dry, eye, dry mouth and it may uh, damage the lacrimal glands and cause very dry eyes. And that can lead to problems with oral health and with our eye health as well, um, in addition to having arthritis. So the triad of um, dry eyes, dry mouth, and arthritis has, is uh, one of those mnemonics that medical students all memorize so that they can answer questions on Sjogren's syndrome on their pathology tests. <laughs> well, that is an inter interesting tip there that we wouldn't have known about. It's really amazing what our immune system does in our body 24-7, isn't it? It, it? And it really is. And the immune system has to discern, hey, this is a virus I need to fight. This is a bacteria that's no threat to me. And it then needs to recognize the difference between the virus and oneself. And when the immune system gets confused, if you will, or makes a mistake and 
as a uh, uh, an innocent bystander, our saliva glands and our lacrimal glands get damaged or our joints get damaged, then that is the autoimmune disease or that is the definition of uh, this autoimmune disease called Sjogren's syndrome. And this syndrome is so interesting and also as some of our viewers may know, tennis player Venus Williams was diagnosed with this in 2011 and she said she struggled for years with symptoms that she now knows were linked to this but she had no idea. So is it typically hard to diagnose? Uh, yes, Terry, it can be hard to diagnose because one of the symptoms is just feeling fatigued. And if you're one of the top tennis players in the world and you feel uh, a little bit fatigued, your your level of energy might be about where everyone else's are, but you, you can't compete uh, with those other top tennis players uh, as well as you could before. Um, the uh, symptoms of dry eyes and dry mouth are not specific by any stretch of the imagination to Sjogren's syndrome because many medicines can cause your mouth to be dry. Many medicines can cause your eyes to be dry and they're common medicines. Medicines for high blood pressure or for hypertension can cause those symptoms. Medicines that are antihistamines, of course, could cause those symptoms as they dry up your sinuses. And medicines that are uh, antidepressants can all cause dry eyes and dry mouth. So the first thing that most doctors would do is um, make sure you're not on those kinds of medications. Uh, and then way down the list, it could be Sjogren's syndrome. So um, part of my uh, appearance today and to bring attention to this disease is so that uh, patients in the future might uh, be able to have their diagnosis uh, thought of by their healthcare provider and um, uh, get some uh, much needed treatment for Sjogren's syndrome. Well, I'm certainly glad that we're talking about this today. As always, you always bring something so fascinating and things that people might not think about, especially being you know, an athlete out there, fatigue, you don't think about it, you're just pushing too hard. So we tend to not really realize this could be something. And so you mentioned medications or anything. Are there other causes or other kinds of conditions in the body that might cause dry eyes and, and dry mouth? Well, there are other uh, conditions as well, and, and some of those can be uh, complex conditions that can be tied in with uh, medical treatments for other diseases as varied as, as cancer and uh, different things of that nature, and head and neck cancers can cause dry eyes and dry mouth, but that would be way down the list. Uh, the earliest things would be if somebody is being treated for high blood pressure, and um, many people are, or if somebody's being treated for depression, and many people are, or if somebody is taking antihistamines and decongestions for our seasonal allergies that we're just on the cusp of really revving up here in the Arclitex, they would be a person that would develop dry eyes, they might develop dry mouth, and, and those people might be dismissed as, oh, it's probably that, not uh, this autoimmune disease. If there's this sig significant fatigue, and if the joints feel very stiff first thing in the morning, and if the joints actually appear swollen, then those are some red lights, those are some uh, signals of warning lights that says, let's think not just about dry eyes and dry mouth that do, might be due to a medication, let's think about it that might be due to an autoimmune disease. And, and Sjogren's syndrome can indeed overlap with two other better known autoimmune diseases, and one of them is rheumatoid arthritis itself. So rheumatoid arthritis can overlap with 
Sjogren's syndrome. Uh, the, the other disease that can overlap with Sjogren's syndrome is systemic lupus erythematosus or lupus and it can overlap with Sjogren's syndrome and and really um, Terry there's sort of a blurring of where does Sjogren's syndrome end and rheumatoid arthritis begin or where does uh, uh, Sjogren's syndrome end and lupus begin as well um, and so a, a lot of that nuance um, and difficulty in exactly diagnosing the disease based upon a simple lab test uh, it makes it more difficult to diagnose. You have to do that medical detective work to, to diagnose many autoimmune diseases uh, and unfortunately a single lab test that's a yes and no test or a single x-ray that's a yes and no x-ray uh, doesn't get us to the diagnosis and so it's very understandable why a healthy young woman like Venus Williams back in 2011 might even getting the best health care in the world might not get to the answer syndrome for a few years. Yeah, and once again, your timing uh, being here is so wonderful and all the cumulative information we get from you with arthritis and everything else. Uh, right now with allergies going out, like you mentioned, we're taking medications to dry our eyes up. So we could also tell ourselves again um, that it's just too much medication or it is my allergies or the medicine's working um, and it's normal that my eyes are this dry. And to have a dry mouth, would that normally go with the dry eyes, like say with allergies and we're trying to dry everything up in the runny nose or is that something to pay attention well, to as, when it's as, together? As our ear, nose and throat doctors or our pediatricians or our primary care doctors are trying to dry up our sinuses because we're having seasonal allergies to oak pollens that are just about to spring, spring out or uh, grass pollens that are uh, just on the cusp of uh, coming out. Uh, you know, it's only a few weeks from now that if you have a dark colored vehicle in the Arclitex, it's going to have that gold sheen of all the pollen on it. Um, and so, uh, a lot of, so don't get me wrong, most of the people that have dry eyes and dry mouth alone are going to, it's going to be due to one of those medications, seasonal allergy medicines, hypertensive medicines, and medicines for. Uh, uh, depression and anxiety often can cause these symptoms. But um, if there is that those swollen joints, if there's that fatigue, if that's that stiffness in the morning, and if the uh, primary care doctor maybe has eliminated or uh, limited or pulled back on the dosage of some of the medicines that could be offensive and there's still these symptoms, then we start thinking of is there something else going on? Does this patient perhaps have an autoimmune problem causing their dry eyes and dry mouth and does do they have uh, Sjogren's syndrome. Sometimes Terry it will be that the person uh, goes to their dentist and the dentist sees that their mouth is very dry and they're having more problems with dental infections and dental caries and then sometimes the dental hygienist, uh, the oral surgeon or your family dentist notices I wonder if you might have Sjogren's syndrome and also, um, Dr. Shogren was an ophthalmologist, and so many times the ophthalmologist in the Arclitex will say, boy, your cornea are really dry, the outer lining of your eyes are really dry, um, and um, they'll see uh, corneal damage of the clear part of the eye, and uh, that might uh, make them suspicious for Sjogren's syndrome. So frequently, um, it's a a team effort between the family physician, um, the ophthalmologist, the oral surgeon or the dentist, and the rheumatologist to get to that diagnosis of Sjogren's syndrome. 
Very interesting how that wouldn't even think to mention or ask if also my dry, my eyes have been dry and my mouth has been dry when we do wake up with that stiffness like you talked about and have taught us so much about the signs of arthritis and lupus and other conditions and now this syndrome. And so, you know, we talk about Venus Williams and everything that she went through and didn't realize and then being diagnosed. Who else tends to get this syndrome? Well, it, it tends to be young women. Um, uh, men can get it, but it's um, about eight uh, women, uh, eight females to one male, or maybe even ten to one. Uh, it tends to be in African Americans uh, tend to get it a little bit more than uh, Caucasians, um, and the same is true with lupus. Uh, so, lupus and uh, Sjogren's syndrome may uh, have a predilection of African American women around the age of forty, although. Venus Williams was in her uh, uh, 30s when she uh, first got the disease. And we talk about um, how Venus returned to playing professional tennis. So there must be treatments for this that can actually get you back in the game, so to speak. Ab absolutely. Um, Sjogren's syndrome is an orphan disease, but there are but uh, rheumatologists and other doctors have medicines that we can use for Sjogren's syndrome. Um, one of the uh, the first thing is working with our oral surgeon or our oral health care provider our dentist working with our ophthalmologist and there may be topical um, uh, artificial salivas and artificial tears that are very important but in pushing back on the immune system depending on how aggressive the immune system is causing problems in the patient um, doctors may have to use steroid medications although briefly to treat some of the autoimmune attack that is part of Sjogren's syndrome. And then after that, uh, rheumatologists have borrowed, if you will, the uh, medicine hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil that can be helpful in pushing back on the immune system. Hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil was, immune, uh, uh, was um, approved by the Food and Drug Administration 60 years ago uh, for rheumatoid arthritis and for lupus. And so uh, rheumatologists uh, have quickly adopted it for their this cousin uh, disease called Sjogren's syndrome. It is considered an orphan disease, which means the Food and Drug Administration has not approved any medicines by the FDA specifically for Sjogren's syndrome. So, when you look at the in the package insert of a medicine like hydroxychloroquine. Um, you won't see Sjogren's syndrome listed there, but it, you'll see lupus and rheumatoid arthritis listed there. And so in rheumatology textbooks, um, and all rheumatologists know this uh, medicine and this physiology, that hydroxychloroquine can be a, a good first step. Then, Terry, if patients um, are not responding to hydroxychloroquine and they're not responding uh, to uh, low doses of steroids, sometimes we might be um, going into our, we might be looking into our rheumatoid arthritis toolbox, if you will, or our lupus toolbox, if you will, in trying to help the patient with Sjogren's syndrome by using medicines that have been approved for those other two diseases. Well, it's good to know there's options there that you can treat this and look at it. What about the risk factors with this syndrome? Are there any? Well, we don't know uh, too much about risk factors other than um, uh, the uh, genetic risk factors and the uh, epidemiology, epidemiology. That is, um, there's not um, uh, knowledge that if you do A, you're more likely to get Sjogren's syndrome. Um, if you smoke, uh, you're going to have more uh, all sort of a myriad of health factors. 
uh, including rheumatoid arthritis, may be more um, aggressive in smokers. Uh, I'm not sure if I've ever seen any data on Sjogren's syndrome uh, having that uh, uh, risk factor as well. Um, if you have lupus and you um, have a high inflammatory diet um, or your vitamin D level is low, um, you can have an increased risk of having more complications of your lupus. So uh, getting that vitamin D up, uh, sunscreen is also very helpful. So uh, good oral hygiene is important for all three of those diseases. Uh, and then we start seeing autoimmune lab tests that uh, are done and um, they may be suggestive of rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or Sjogren's syndrome. Sometimes uh, to make a diagnosis of Sjogren's syndrome, we ask our oral surgeon or our ear, nose, and throat doctor to do a biopsy of some of the salivary glands um, and um, not the parotid gland over here because you might go through some nerves and have some nerve damage of the face, but some salivary glands inside the mouth and um, that can help us make that diagnosis based upon a what is called a minor salivary gland biopsy, uh, which is uh, a, a dental procedure. But um, that would identify those people with Sjogren's syndrome and let us uh, try to help them. Okay, can we talk about a triggering mechanism? You've mentioned that before too. How does the triggering mechanism work? Well, uh, the triggering mechanism might be uh, something like this. Um, Sjogren's syndrome uh, might occur if you had uh, uh, most of the population could say deal with um, the H1N1 virus that caused the flu maybe 15 years ago but there might be one person in 800 or one person in a thousand where their immune system is dealing with this virus and their immune system recognizes the virus and then as it deals with the virus of the flu the H1N1 flu for example or it could be the um, virus that causes mononucleosis, which is called the Epstein-Barr virus, and their immune system overreacts, and as it's vanquishing the flu, or what, or it's a, as it's vanquishing mononucleosis, or maybe as it's vanquishing an old disease called the mumps, um, and uh, there's an overshoot of the immune system. The immune system, the white blood cells don't get the message, hey, you've taken care of the flu, you've taken care of mononucleosis, you have taken care of um, uh, uh, the Epstein-Barr virus, you don't need to continue to mount that immunologic attack. There's no more of that virus in the mouth. There's no more of that virus in the eyes. You don't have to continue that immunologic attack, uh, but the, the immune system makes a mistake continues to cause that damage and gradually causes the um, uh, moisture producing glands in our saliva glands and the moisture producing glands in our lacrimal glands to produce less and less moisture. It's um, uh, the microanatomy of those glands is sort of like a cluster of grapes where the grape uh, is analogous to the area of the gland that makes the moisture and the stem of the grape is where the moisture is dumped, in, dumped into something. And in the case of the saliva glands, it's dumped into the mouth. In the case of the lacrimal glands, it's dumped into the eyes to give us moisture on our eyes. And gradually, as some of those grapes are damaged by the white blood cells, they shrivel up and become like raisins. And 
you're producing less and less tears, less and less saliva, and so um, the treatment of that might be a twofold treatment. Push back on, and if you can, stop the immunologic attack, but also try to replace the moisture uh, that is um, being lost. Right, that's a very good visual for me. I can get that. I can really understand how that works. It explains it beautifully. And we talk about how this can damage um, other parts of our body. We always think about damaging the organs, but can this have an effect on our, our skin and our nerves as well? Um, it, it can affect both of those as well. And in that situation, it might be starting to overlap with lupus. Um, um, and let me give you an, another visual. In uh, lupus, um, people, the, those same white blood cells that are making a mistake in causing our saliva glands to shrivel up and going from grapes to being like raisins, it can um, um, affect uh, the, the white blood cells that are looking at our skin. And suppose you imagine white blood cells that are looking at your skin and if you get a fire ant bite within a matter of an hour or even minutes, you start to have redness, warmth, and swelling in the area where that fire ant bit you. Or if you get come in contact with poison ivy, you get redness, warmth, and swelling in the skin. That would be a contact dermatitis. But sometimes the immune system can make a mistake and behave as if there's something damaging the skin or uh, sometimes mistaken uh, skin cells that are uh, being recycled, um, that are, uh, as doctors would say, uh, recycling skin cells is called apoptosis or apoptosis. And immunologically, as those skin cells, like if you get, if Terry, if you or I were to get a sunburn, um, uh, we would turn over more skin cells. And uh, my skin cells, my white blood cells, would look at those skin cells as they're being turned over and says, that's Robert Goodman, and he should have worn a sunscreen. He, he's just a knucklehead. But that, and, and so they don't react to my skin cells that are changing, that look immunologically different in that recycling that are uh, going through that condition called apoptosis. Um, my white blood cells don't make a mistake and think that's an enemy. But the person who might get lupus or the person who might get Sjogren's syndrome, their white blood cells see those skin cells going through certain phases they react to those skin cells and they cause that redness, that warmth, that swelling, um, similar to responding to a fire ant bite or similar to responding to poison ivy, but it's not, there's no fire ant bite, there's no poison ivy, but they are getting a dermatitis, not a contact dermatitis due to poison ivy, but an autoimmune dermatitis due to Sjogren's syndrome or systemic lupus erythematosus. On the, uh, and similarly, if that immunologic attack is on the inner lining of the joints, um, the part of the joint called the synovium, that inflammation in that inner lining of the synovium is called a synovitis, and that autoimmune attack would be Sjogren's syndrome overlapping with the other more common disease, rheumatoid arthritis. So I hope that gives you kind of a, a visual there, um, and uh, then since Sjogren's syndrome is an orphan disease, as, as that disease overlaps with rheumatoid arthritis or overlaps with lupus, then the rheumatologist might choose other medicines that are, in the, that are used to treat lupus and other medicines that are used to treat rheumatoid arthritis in trying to help the patient. 
Okay, yeah, and as you see, speaking of this, we're talking about Sjogren's, some of things came to my mind, with Sjogren's syndrome, we talk about it being an orphan. Um, do you see medicine, so it's, it's treated with things that are for other conditions, do you see medicine moving in the way where Sjogren's syndrome will someday have its own medication specific to this? Well, I, I think that's, that's the case. Um, in some, in it's sort of a decision, it's a, a business decision, well, unfortunately or fortunately, the, um, uh, the business community, Big Pharma, brings to us wonderful drugs to treat these diseases better. But Big Pharma will look at, um, we have a medicine that might work for rheumatoid arthritis and we may have a medicine and it might also work for Sjogren's syndrome and lupus. But the biggest market of those three is rheumatoid arthritis, so uh, they're going to get FDA approval for the largest market first, and then they'll go after uh, a secondary market uh, like uh, lupus, and then they might go after a tertiary market like uh, Sjogren's syndrome later on. So uh, uh, there are many medicines in our rheumatoid arthritis toolbox, so to speak, and there are more and more medicines being added to our lupus toolbox. So it would be hopeful that um, Big Pharma after they've matured in that lupus market, they might go after an indication in uh, the Sjogren syndrome market. And the FDA has certain incentives to try to uh, push um, big pharma in that direction. Okay, that's good that in the meantime, we can still identify it and treat it because if Venus Williams and, and other athletes or people are just generally active or just feel good about their lives, they can, do they live with this or does it, get, does it gradually get better and go away or do they just learn how once it's identified to start training and, and get back up to what they were doing before? Well, Terry, we think uh, some of the, the initial immunologic damage of Sjogren's syndrome is sort of episodic. It might be that for several months, you're mounting this uh, significant immunologic damage to your tear and saliva glands. But then if, uh, but you could have uh, the Sjogren's syndrome get better or burn out on its own, and if it's damaged some of the tear and saliva glands, then uh, you might have uh, chronic dry eyes and chronic dry mouth even after that initial burst. Uh, the burst um, of immunologic activity could come back and, and the hydroxychloroquine has been proven to be a very helpful medicine to kind of keep the immune system is b at bay and if you look at a, a thousand people who um, had mild Sjogren syndrome or mild rheumatoid arthritis or mild lupus and you put them on hydroxychloroquine and you look at them three years later and five years later um, most a bigger percentage of them in the group that is used to treat hydroxychloroquine or Plaquenil will be less likely to go on to have a more serious, more aggressive autoimmune disease in general, um, and and that would also um, apply to Sjogren's syndrome uh, in specific. Uh, but um, as you get more and more variables in smaller and smaller populations to study, uh, then it's harder to uh, prove that um, uh, to what is called a double-blind controlled trial. Uh, that uh, would meet uh, the statistical criteria set up by the Food and Drug Administration. Okay, well that's some hopeful information in there. Well, Dr. Goodman, you always stress the importance of self-care in the treatment of autoimmune disease. So what sort of other things can a patient do with this condition to um, just to help in their treatment? What can they do? 
Well, um, if a person has a mild autoimmune disease, maybe it's not fully defined yet. It might be called at some medical school a mixed connective tissue disease. It might be called an undifferentiated connective tissue syndrome, or it might be called some kind of cousin of lupus, but I really don't know yet. Sometimes doctors will have those kinds of diagnoses. Uh, or it might be Sjogren's syndrome. Um, it's important to follow up with your doctor. Uh, it's important to know that if that it that there's a chance that it may not go any further, but if there but if it does go further, um, it might go in the direction of lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or more aggressive Sjogren's. The doctor can do some things about it. Number one, follow up with your doctor. Number two, it's been very important to find that having the normal amount of vitamin D in your diet is important for all of these autoimmune diseases. I've heard one of the world experts in lupus say, I would like my lupus patients, and she would also expand it to Sjogren's patients, to not just have their vitamin D level in barely in the normal range, but to have it in the middle of the normal range. So having a good amount of vitamin D is important. Uh, good oral health is important. Follow up with your dentist. Follow up with your ophthalmologist. Um, a low inflammatory diet can play a play a role as well. Um, and um, those are some of the self-help things that are very important. Um, if you wear contact lenses, uh, do everything that you can to keep those contact lenses clean. You know, use plenty of um, uh, eye drops and. Uh, uh, on the dental health, it's uh, self-evident to get that, get in with a dentist uh, uh, twice a year or as they direct you. Okay, all of that good self-care. Go to your doctor's appointments, ask questions, bring information in, and I love that you always remind me especially, get out in the sun, get that vitamin D, but wear that sunscreen. Wear the sunscreen, that's right. <laughs> okay, again, thank you again. It's been such an honor talking to you, and it's always so informative. Thank you so much, Dr. Goodman, for being here with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Terry, for helping me get the word out about Sjogren's Syndrome. Oh, we certainly enjoy it, and we'll see you next month. All right, thanks again, everyone. Thanks for watching Helpline 3. We'll see you next time.